May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our refuge. Amen. Well, I would like to welcome each of you to the first Sunday following Pentecost, known better by the Western liturgical churches as Trinity Sunday. We're going to deal with a pretty tough document of the church today. The origins of today all go way back to the 3rd and 4th centuries as a response to Arianism and letters that have been found from the same time period refuting the chief aims of Arianism, we learn that a commonly held idea was that God the Son was subordinate to God the Father and in the divine Son was created and didn't always exist and that the Son has a beginning and God does not. During the first council of Nicaea, Arius was declared a heretic by Bishop Athanasius, being one of the leading voices against his theological concepts. Constantine excommunicated Arius and ordered that all of his books be burned. This is why scholars rely on letters that were in opposition to understand what was really going on about the Trinity at that time. From the Council of Nicaea in 325 CE, we were given the Nicene Creed that we will actually recite together after the sermon. I will unpack the uh, Trinitarian formula that is in the Nicene Creed momentarily, but I wanted to give you just a little more history on the uh, Arian heresy. The, Ath the Athanasian Creed, which can be found in the historical document section of the Book of Common Prayer, is even more against the ideas of Arianism than, than is the Nicene Creed. In fact, across the world today, some Anglican and Episcopal churches on Trinity Sunday will, will choose to say the Athanasian Creed rather than the Nicene Creed, but we're staying with the oldie goldie today for us. Poor Arius was exonerated as the first, at the first synod of Tyre in 335 CE after a decade of being banned. And he was also restored to full communion in 336 at the synod of Jerusalem. Throughout all of this, Constantine then reversed the charges against Arius brought forth by Bishop Athanasius. Arius would go on to die on his way to the next synod of Jerusalem, some saying, being poisoned by those that still disagreed with him. Then in 381, he was again found to be a heretic by the Council of Constantinople, and thus we have the Arian heresy. As my Anglican church history professor at Iliff, Gregory Robbins would say, good people, you just can't make this stuff up. <laughs> in the gospel acquainted for today, for today, with the banter between Nicodemus and Jesus regarding being born from above, Nicodemus obviously just didn't get it, as many of us struggle with the concept of the Trinity. In fact, many men and women more astute than I have lost their lives over trying to explain their interpretation of what the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are. With that being said, away we go. On page 358 of the Nicene Creed, or in the Book of Common Prayer, the Nicene Creed is in language particular to the 4th century, and it expresses the perspective on God that makes Christianity unique among the religions of the world. This perspective has to do with how we think about the oneness of God, 
The word Trinity is the word we have inherited from our fourth century ancestors to express collective thought on that ideal, the uniqueness of the oneness of God. What an idea, the uniqueness of the oneness of God. The Nicene Creed sums up what it means to approach the concept of God as Trinity. It begins by affirming that we believe in, we trust in, and we give our lives to this one God. This was a direct response to those earliest days of Christianity that accused a worship of three gods or even falling back into a kind of paganism. From the, from the onset, the very first sentence of the creed states, we believe in one God. Then the rest of the creed is devoted to naming the three distinct ways this one God is a sacred reality at the center of all of being. And the creed confirms that all three of these ways of being were present with God before all of time. So let's take a deeper look at the creed this morning instead of simply rattling through it as it becomes easy to do Sunday to Sunday. And you might even, if you're one of those that likes to follow along, you might even want to turn to page 358. And if not, well, you'll already be bookmarked for right after the sermon as well. So... 358, Book of Common Prayer, if you would like to follow. In the first section, it says, this is one God in the sacred reality that Jesus called Abba, Father. It says that this is the same sacred reality of everything we experience in all of creation, such as the things we touch, taste, see, and smell. In that paragraph, to speak of the source of all that is with this intimately familiar term of Abba, which instead of translating like father, stern father, there's an intimate connection that translates from the Greek to daddy. To say these words in the creed is meant to say that we trust in this sacred connection. The word believes, or the word believe as used in the creed has more of a sense of believing in or trusting in rather than affirming a statement. It's more like if I said, I have a friend, and who that friend is, shows us that there's a relationship involved, and it's a lot more dynamic than simply saying I believe or disbelieve in a statement or a doctrine. I trust in, I give my heart to, and I live for the idea of the Trinity. I commit myself to it. In that first paragraph, we say how we trust in the connection and the goodness of God. Then we move to the longest section that discusses Jesus and who he is as the Christ. Christ, of course, is not the family name of Jesus. Christ is the Greek word that means Savior. It's saying this Jesus is the one we've been looking for and the one we have been waiting for. This section speaks to how we know the sacred reality of connection and goodness. How we come to know it most complete as it has been, become embodied in human form with Jesus of Nazareth. The creed reminds us that it is this sacred reality we see in Jesus has existed before all time. That's what it means to say the words, eternally begotten, not made, and of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. The creed doesn't stop here with the divinity of Jesus. It goes on to point out his full humanity as well, his 
being human as you and I are human. It confirms that he was born of the flesh of a woman. You'll notice capital V, capital M of the Virgin Mary, which is supposed to clarify for us that Jesus wasn't just acting as human or some kind of a, you know, how do you say it? He was fully human and not just kind of a fictitious of a human. He also suffered a human death, was fully divine, fully God, and fully man. The intent is to show us that not only does Jesus show us the true nature of God, but also reveals how to be in relationship with the sacred reality. Once more, this very long section on Jesus, as it comes to a conclusion, makes clear that through the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, humanity and divinity have been raised up to become one. Listen to that statement. Humanity and divinity have been raised up to become one. Wow, how profound. And it, it, notice as well, it also includes us, not just Jesus, humanity and divinity. Guess what? There's even more. In a final section, it points out what is going on in our lives and in the world even today. What's going on for the purposes of transformation in this world? This section affirms that our lives and the lives of the world are still being guided by the very Holy Spirit that worked the divine work in the beginning of creation, the very same Holy Spirit that was embodied in Jesus of Nazareth. That's what it means to say this Holy Spirit, the Spirit that leads us, guides us, helps us to see things, and helps us to get on the right path when we get off of it. The Holy Spirit lives and works amongst us today, proceeds from the Father and the Son, and is the Holy Spirit as well, spoken through the prophets. It's about this oneness of God and this beautiful relationship between the three ways of being. The story of the Trinity and of the Nicene Creed is actually pretty exciting. It's the story about the mystery of the sacred reality that we call God. It's the story of the mystery of being itself, in, the, in being itself, which in everything, all of us and everything has a part. It tells us that at the core of all being is a oneness that doesn't thrive in spite of diversity, but because of diversity. It tells us that at the core of being is a relationship between a diversity that exists as such trinity not only as a way of talking about the oneness of God, but it also can be a way of talking about the oneness that each of us is called to be in relationship with God and one another and to all of creation. God as the creator is not supposed to be in a fight with Jesus or the Holy Spirit, nor is Jesus supposed to be in tension with God and the Holy Spirit to argue over which one of them works best. It simply is the way that God is expressed through these ways, a plurality of way and a oneness of being. Trinity reminds us that God multi multiplies the opportunities for life rather than reducing them to the lowest common denominator. So how is that for you? Clear as mud? Concerning the doctrine of the Trinity, most if not all of us are left still scratching our heads. After all, it is a mystery how this stuff works and operates. Perhaps we can see it from another perspective. Have you ever heard the old cliche, the, the most difficult journey is the one between the heart 
and the head. Perhaps we need to use heart knowledge instead of academic head knowledge as an approach to trying to understand the Trinity. For example, we still mourn two losses of two fathers in our community. But the outpouring of love that I have seen from this parish, from this community, and across other places reaching out has been an example of living into what the best of the Trinity means to all of us. And as we read in the Old Testament Isaiah passage today, as we move to thinking about the Trinity from an intellectual standpoint to a heart standpoint, perhaps this is what Isaiah made the question of who will go, who will represent me with here am I, send me. May our prayer on this Sunday be this, that it is with God, so may it be with us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.